shadows deepen. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is it good that we remind ourselves of Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, he's David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of his Does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? Does our God intend to dwell again with us? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, he is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe. Every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and praise to God to reign with the Son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of it? He is, he is, he is worthy, he is worthy, he is, he is, he is worthy.
welcome to East Hillsville Baptist Church. We're so glad that you could be here this morning. For those that are here in attendance uh, in your vehicles and also those that are watching uh, via Facebook and online, we want to thank you so much for being with us. Just want to make one quick announcement. Um, we will be doing this service every Sunday, so we don't feel like there's a need to do a phone tree every Sunday because we will be here. If something changes, then we'll call you and let you know. But thank you so much for your attendance, for your faithfulness. Uh, the words to the songs that the praise team will be leading us in as we worship together are in your handout. So we'd encourage you to sing those at home or in your car. But let me pray for us as we kick off our service today. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to worship together. Father, well, I want to thank you for our church, Lord, for the faithfulness of our church, for all the churches in the county that are meeting, Lord. I pray that you would bless them, bless those that speak and sing. Father, we want to tell you that we love you, Lord. We want to thank you for how you've blessed our lives Thank you most of all for Jesus, for his life, death, and resurrection to make salvation possible. Father, we pray that every word that is sung, Lord, the words that are spoken, the word that is read, Lord, everything would bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.
sympathies that you've given to me and my family and my mother's passing, but I want to thank you. Thank you for your love and thank you for your prayers. It means so much to me and to my family, and we want to thank you for that. I want to read to you one verse in Psalms 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I want you to rejoice with me in prayer and praise and thanksgiving to the Lord for His goodness and His mercy, His grace that He's given us every day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Join me in prayer this morning. Thank you. Father, we thank You for this good day. God, we thank You for the blessings of this day. Father, we thank You for health and life and strength. And Lord, we want to thank You for Your goodness. Lord, we want to thank you that your mercies are renewed every day that we wake up. And God, we want to thank you for your grace is sufficient for everything that we face in life. And Father, I pray that you would be with your church this morning across this land, across this world. And Father, I pray you would help us to rejoice. And Lord, to be grateful, to be thankful for who you are. And Father, that you live within us and that we are the church. We are the embodiment of Christ, and you live within us. And, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for loving us this morning and living in us this morning. And we pray that you would live out in us this morning our faith. And, Father, we can't live this life without you. There's nothing we can do without you and your strength. And, Father, we pray this morning you'd bless this time of worship, that, Lord, that we'd worship you in our hearts. And, Lord, we'd just praise you for being our God and our Savior. And, Father, we thank you this morning for loving us. Thank you for being with us. And you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And you're with us always, no matter what we go through in life. And, Father, we love you in Christ's name this morning. Amen. God. 
Have your Bibles, if you will, turn to Psalm chapter 32. The message this morning, the title of the message is The Blessing of Forgiveness. And notice what the Bible says in Psalm 32, starting in verse 1. Of course, this is David writing this after the fact. He's he's a king. He's older in his life at this time. And David has done something I would call it despicable. I would call it uh, deceitful. And I would call it even at this point in time or, or before in his life even disastrous. Notice what he says. A psalm of David, a contemplation, or a mascal. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom he does not, the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now listen to what David says happens when we live with unconfessed sin. He says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all the day long, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. And then he says these wonderful words, Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this cause everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. And then he says this. I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will guide you with my eye. The Lord is speaking. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for King David and his life Father, in the truthfulness of your word, Lord, I pray that we would learn today from the king. Lord, that unconfessed sin hurts us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And then, Father, I pray that we would understand the blessing of forgiveness. Father, what an honor it is to be your child. Father, I'm so thankful we don't have to run from you, but if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Father, we're all guilty daily of sin. But Lord, I pray that we would understand that we can confess and come clean. And Lord, be cleansed, as David talks about in Psalm 51, and that you'll be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you think about Psalm 32, it came at a time in David's life, whenever David was a king, he'd been a king for quite some time. The story of this psalm is in 2 Samuel chapter 11. The Bible says... In the time when the kings go out to war, literally what David did was, is that he stayed behind. And when David was on the rooftop of his palace, he was looking across his kingdom and he saw a young lady bathing. And the Bible says that Hebrew word for Saul meant that David just didn't catch a glance. 
But David noticed her and kept longing for this woman, another man's wife. And then David sent for her. And then she came to him. And then he lay with her and she became pregnant. And then David sent for her husband, Uriah the Hittite, to come home. Who was literally one of David's, in a sense, one of David's own warriors. And when David asked Uriah to come home, David told Uriah to go be with his wife and he wouldn't. He says, how can I be with my wife when, when our armies are out in battle? And then David got him drunk. And he still wouldn't be with his wife. So what David did, this is how bad sin is. David hand-wrote a letter to Uriah's captain, sealed it, which meant Uriah could not open it, gave it to Uriah and said, give this to your captain. And literally paraphrasing what the letter said was, put Uriah the Hittite on the front line and get him as close as he can to the battle. And whenever the battle gets the worst, have your men retreat. And then Uriah the Hittite died. And David lived with this sin of adultery and literally murder for over a year. And the conviction got so great, God sent Nathan to, to David. And Nathan shared a parable with David. And literally through that parable, David understood what a wretched man he had been. And then he confesses his sin to God. And he writes about it in Psalm 32 and in Psalm 51. And this is a maskil, if you will. M-A-S-K-I-L, which means an instruction or a teaching. And it's an instruction or a teaching about confession and sin and about unconfession and the consequences that come with it. So let's learn from David, our teacher, some lessons on confession and cover-up. We'll we'll, remember, we're going to be learning from an expert today. And the first point that's on your handout is this, is that when I sin and when you sin, it's not a mistake. When I sin and I'm away from God, it is my fault. You've got to understand the difference between a sin and a mistake. So much of Christianity today, people talk about how they make mistakes whenever they're actually just sinning. Listen to this quote. Sin is so radical an offense to God, against God and His Holy Spirit, he uses 15 different Hebrew words to describe sin in the Old Testament. David lists four of them in verses 1 and 2. All that he committed, he admits he commits against God. The term mistake implies an error in judgment, something done unintentionally. A mistake is you don't mean to do it, but you do it. All right? For example, a legitimate mistake might be this. Turning onto a one-way street and going the wrong way. Pouring salt in your coffee instead of sugar. Mistyping a web address and ending up on a porn site. These could all be legitimate mistakes. They happen because we get distracted or careless, but a sin is more than a mistake. It's a deliberate choice to do something you know is wrong. Understand that. When you sin, like David did, it is not a mistake. And you must say, this sin I deliberately did and it's my fault. So David names some sins that he committed in these first two verses that that should really help us as we look at our own life. The first one is this, transgression. The word transgression has two basic meanings. Number one is just basic, open rebellion against God. It's like when you ask your child to do something and they tell you unexplicitly no. It's like when King Saul deliberately failed to do what the the Lord said and the Lord said that rebellion is worse than witchcraft. He committed a transgression. The second meaning for the word transgression is this. It means to cross the line. And David crossed the line. God had a moral line and David crossed it. David crossed it intentionally and on purpose. David did this knowingly. David did this almost mocking God when he did it. The second thing David says is this about his sin. Number number two, he called it a sin. 
Sin means to miss the mark. God has a mark and we've missed it. It's his holiness. But also you've got to understand too that David has a plan or God had a plan for David's life. When the kings went out to battle, David stayed home. He missed the mark in his service. I've said this oftentimes that a lot of people in Alexander County, and I was one at one time, we sin by not surrendering to what God asks us to do. Some of the best preachers in America have yet to say just yes to Jesus because they're living in sin. They missed the mark. Paul told the church at Ephesus, make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. That word for opportunity means a favorable opportunity. It implies the right moment which lasts for only a little while. Jesus said this, whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. David says this, not only did I transgress against God, but I sinned against God. And then he talks about his iniquity in verses 2. He says the word iniquity means to be perverse, crooked, twisted. It means gross immorality or injustice. It means wickedness, a grossly immoral act. It means a sexual sin. Solomon said this, he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. It never turns out good. Never. You always reap sorrow. In Psalm 38, 18, the psalmist says, For I will declare mine iniquity, and I will be sorry for my sins. So for these first three sins, David says these were not mistakes. After a year, in order to come clean with God, he says, I did not make a mistake. I intentionally broke God's law. I intentionally crossed the line. I intentionally missed the mark. I intentionally committed iniquity, gross immorality. David is coming clean today. And then he talks about deceit in the first two verses. That means to hide or cover up. It means insincerity. It really means I really don't care, but I'm going to be a hypocrite about it. So David is saying this. David saying this. He's saying, I missed the mark on purpose. I crossed God's line on purpose. I committed gross immorality on purpose. And I was a hypocrite about it on purpose for over a year. When I sin, it is not a mistake. When I sin, it is my fault. The only way to truly come clean is to understand that, that when I do wrong and I break God's laws, it is my fault. David would want us to understand that. The second thing is this, and it's so obvious. Unconfessed sin hurts. Notice what David says in verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. David says, would tell us this. Unconfessed sin hurts us physically. He suffered, suffered physically. The Bible, the, the King James Version used, uses this word, waxed old. The Hebrews understood health to be in the bones. And what David was saying is this, because of my unconfessed sin, because of this adultery that I've covered up, because of this murder that I've covered up, I'm literally hurting in my bones. It also means to waste away, to make old. Concealing sin will age you. When I was a student pastor in the 90s, I took a youth group on a mission trip to Washington, D.C., and one of the ministries we worked with was a ministry called Food and Friends. And you would take brown bags literally to people who were dying of AIDS. And we would take those brown bags in there. It was food, and we would take it to them. And I remember going into one apartment complex in Washington, D.C. The man was wealth, wealthy beyond compare. And I remember going into this apartment complex and a man about my age now or younger welcomed me, a very sharp-dressed man. He said, thank you all for coming. And he said, 
uh, my friends here in the in the bedroom in a hospital bed, and we went in there. He looked like he had a he looked very old, very skinny. And as I was talking to his friend, I said, "Can you tell me how old he is?" He said, "He's 32 years old." And what had happened was this disease had aged him. It reminds me of a NASCAR driver who, in the 80s, was very very popular. He was a playboy. He was a ladies' man. He loved the race, and everybody loved his racing style. But because of his extracurricular activities, he also contracted a sexually transmitted disease. And he was in a hospice room. And one of his best friends walked by his door because he wanted to visit him. And he had to ask the nurse. He said, is this so-and-so? And she said, yes. And he, he said this. It looks like he's aged 20 to 30 years. And she said, that's what this disease has done. David is saying this. I have aged, but I don't have any disease. I have aged because I have not confessed my sin to God. My bones have waxed old. Unconfessed sin will put years on your life. Not only does it affect us physically, it affects us emotionally. David says this in in verse 3, Through my groaning all the day long, emotionally, David says, this is the howling of an animal. It's like someone who's angry or bitter or someone crying out for help but not wanting the right help. It is an inward, inward pain that will not go away. In Psalm 51, which is the contemporary to this psalm, talking about the same event in David's life, David says this. Now listen to this. My sin is always before me. Always. Now David, every word of, in the Bible is important. David says, my sin is always before me. Sin saturates the mind. That sin is brought to the front of one's mind until it saturates it. David is saying this, I cannot get this sin out of my mind. It's the first thought of the day. It's the last thought of the day. It's ever before me. It doesn't matter where I go. If I go to the coast, if I go to the mountains, if it's a holiday, this sin is still there. It haunts me. That's why in verse 2 of Psalm 51, he says this, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin because emotionally speaking, this sin stained or soiled his soul. It caused David to feel dirty. He could never get clean. In verse 2 of Psalm 51, he says this, Cleanse me of my sin. I feel dirty. And then in verse 7 of Psalm 51, he says this, talking about how it affected him emotionally. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than so. Snow, hyssop was used to cleanse lepers. Open sores had con- that would contaminate a leper. They would use hyssop to cleanse them. David says, I feel dirtier than a diseased leper. And I heard Stephen Lawson say this. What was so amazing about that, that verse, that, that verse 7, he says, David is the king of Israel. He bathes in a marble tub every day, dries off with expensive fabrics, anoints his head with the most costly oil and sprinkles with the most expensive perfume, yet every moment of his life, while he lives in unconfessed sin, he feels dirty on the inside because he has not come clean with God. And I'll tell you this, you can take all the showers you want. You can bathe till your hands get dry, but until you confess your sin before God, you cannot cleanse your soul. You can't do it. Your guilt will always be with you. That's the blessings of confession and forgiveness. David says, learn from me today. You will will hurt emotionally and you'll hurt physically. And then more importantly, David was saying this, that I have been hurting for over a year, spiritually speaking. David goes on to say in verse 4, 
for night and day your hand was heavy upon me. Heavy, that means to greatly afflict or to weigh down. David, at one point in time, was in love with the Lord. He had a sweet relationship with Jesus. He was a songwriter. He, he wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. He, he, he goes on to say this in verse 4. My vitality is turned into the drought of summer. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I am spiritually dry. David's saying this, the most important relationship in my life, I'm so far away from the Lord. In Psalm 51, he says this, Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. David has no joy. He has no gladness. He can't make himself happy until he confesses and repents. Joy and gladness are forfeited immediately when he decided to commit adultery. Joy and sin cannot occupy the same heart. In verse 12 of Psalm 51, he says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. He hadn't lost his salvation. He just lost the joy of it. The, the most unhappy person on earth is not the unbeliever. The most unhappy person on earth is the Christian who is living in unconfessed sin because they just don't trust God's goodness and just don't trust his mercy. David lived and had everything he wanted. He had a good life, but he was not joyful. He had no peace nor rest. He could have built a new castle. He could have bought a new truck. He could, have bought a, he could have bought a motorcycle. He could have went to Hawaii. None of that would have helped him. His joy and gladness were gone. And they were gone until he confessed. He goes on to say in Psalm 51, Renew a steadfast spirit in me. He was hurting spiritually. He was drained of spiritual life. In modern vernacular, he would have fell off in service, fell off in church attendance, fell off in pursuing the will of God. He was no longer steadfast, lacked discipline, perseverance, and godliness and holiness. They were all gone. He says, renew a steadfast spirit in me. In verse 12 of Psalm 51, he says, sustain me with a willing spirit. He has, for a year, an unwilling spirit. He's still saved. He's not lost his salvation, but he's lost his intimacy with God, his fellowship with God, and he's hiding like Adam and Eve in the garden. What a sad way to live. I wonder how many people listening to this sermon today are living the same way. You're a Christian. You, your salvation is intact. But because of unconfessed sin, you're physically hurting, you're spiritually hurting, and you're emotionally hurting. Think about this. David wrote 75 songs of, at least. He was gifted above all men in Bible writing, in the Bible of writing songs and hymns. He played the harp for the king. And now he can't write or sing because his mouth is shut. You cannot hear from God until your heart gets cleaned out. And then David stops and says this, Selah, which means this, stop and think about that. When I sin, it is not a mistake. I have to own it. Unconfessed sin hurts me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And a doctor can't help you, medicine can't help you, and a preacher can't help you until you confess your sin. Nothing you can do. David said, my sin is always before me. It doesn't matter what happens in my life. My sin is there. It haunts me every day. And then he says this. He would encourage us as the teacher, confess and come clean. Listen to what verse 1 says. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. The word blessed means exuberant joy. When one scholar said this, it means to make straight or level. Out of the straightness of God's word comes blessing. David says this, Blessed is he whose sin is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
Basically, he said, when I, when I, when I was silent, my bones waxed old. In verse 5, he says, I acknowledge my sin to you, my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Confess means more than to admit I've done wrong or ask that I'm sorry. Confess means more than saying, God, if you'll get me out of this, I'll never do it again. That is regret. You know what regret is? Regret is a useless emotion that produces nothing. David needed to repent. Not only confess his sin, acknowledge his sin was his fault, but forsake it forever. See, a person who has regret will say, God, if you'll get me out of this, I'll never do it again. And then they always do it again because they just have regret. It's a useless emotion. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. David needed mercy. God, don't give me what I deserve. You're my only hope. And if you do that, notice what David says God will do. The first thing he says is that God will forgive you. That word in the Hebrew means to bear, to carry off, to take away. To take away the burden, to remove the guilt, to to take the sin away. I will take the penalty away and also the burden and guilt away from it. The psalmist says he will remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse us, to cleanse our soul. The second thing David says is this, Lord, in verse 2, Lord, or verse 1, Lord, you have covered my sin, which means it's out of sight. God puts your sins out of his sight, which means he will never bring our sins back up. It's not that he forgets, but that he forgives and does not bring it back up. God is probably the only person who will never bring your sins back up because they are covered. They are covered by the blood of Jesus. And then David said this, He says, blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. He does not count this sin against me. We owed an unpayable debt for our sin. As the video we heard when we first started the service, Tony Evans says that we owed a debt we could not pay. You cannot pay your sin debt after you're saved. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Do you trust him? Jesus paid it. And whenever David confessed, he shares the blessings of God. Number one, he says, God is a refuge for me in verse six and seven. He says, for this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. And what David would say is this, don't wait a year, don't wait a day, confess to God and then repent. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall come, not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. One scholar put it this way, the same man who in verse 4 complained that he was oppressed by God's hand. Here declares God to be his hiding place. What's the difference? David confessed and David came clean. Whereas before he feared God as judge, he now takes refuge in God as his protector who surrounds him with songs of deliverance. The flood of great waters refers to God's judgment. The man who experienced God's forgiveness need not fear the flood of judgment. What a blessing. David suffered emotionally physically and spiritually, and he did not have to go through such torment. And then I think David would say this to us, and I think it's pretty obvious if you read verse 9, don't be a mule. Have you ever saw a mule, how stubborn a mule can be? Notice what verse 9 says. God speaking, do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and a bridle, else they will not come near. You know what God is saying? Had I not afflicted David, he never would have come back to me. 
is stubborn like a mule. You know, I've counseled a lot in my life in Alexander County. I've counseled people who have done everything. You, you couldn't tell me something that would surprise me. You know what I've met in Alexander County? A lot of mules. Stubborn, bullheaded mules. And I'll tell people, unless you confess this thing, unless you get right with God, you will suffer immensely. Whatsoever a man reaps, that will he also sow. John Piper said this about David acting like a mule. When David acted like a mule, God put the bridle of suffering on him and dragged him into the barn. A guilty conscience and all the agonies that go with it is a merciful gift to the unrepentant. The main point, therefore, of verses 1 through 9 is this. Let everyone who is God pray to you in a time when you may be found. Because the contrite, the unmule-like heart which comes to God in prayer is forgiven, verse 5, is protected in verse 7, and counseled how to live in verse 8. And I would encourage you, let that be your prayer. Think about this. The words of a well-known hymn captured the sheer joy of knowing that God is not counting our sins against us when we're connected to His Son, Jesus, and when we live in an attitude of confession and repentance. And you know it well. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Aren't you thankful for Jesus today? Christian, this is my invitation to you. Only you and God know what you're living in or living through. Maybe it's nothing. But if you're living today with unconfessed sin in, the, in just a moment, you don't got to pray out loud. You don't got to confess to me or a priest. You have a Father in heaven who loves you. And you can confess to him. Listen, your sin in your life is not a mistake. It's your fault. You need to own it and confess it and experience the joy and blessing of forgiveness. And if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, you have no help and you have no hope when you sin. You have absolutely, positively none. You will stand before God on Judgment Day one day, and you'll give an account for every sin you've ever committed, and you'll be considered guilty before God. Run to Jesus today. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Your sins, past, present, and future, will be forgiven. Jesus Christ, you're guilty before God. Jesus bore God's wrath on the cross so that you could be saved. He paid the debt you did not owe. He rose from the dead. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. What a blessing it is to know Jesus. If you will, bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And if you're a Christian here today, in the quietness of this moment, I would ask you this question. Do you trust your Heavenly Father to forgive? Can you trust him with your sin? The secret sins of the heart. Sometimes it's easy to confess a transgression. Sometimes it's easy to confess a sin or deceit. But sometimes it's hard to confess iniquity. But listen, God knows all about it and he loves you. Do you trust him with it? Experience the joy of forgiveness, of cleansing. Stop living dirty. Stop feeling dirty. Stop living with guilt. Your sin will always be before you. Confess it before God today. Confess it to him. Then if you're here today and you never placed your faith and trust in Christ, Repent and believe the gospel. Today is the day of salvation. Ask the Lord to save you. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. And be gloriously born again. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I pray that we would learn from our teacher today. Lord, our teacher today is David. 
Father, he, he says, Lord, if you'll forgive me, I'll teach transgressors your ways. And what he's saying is this, Lord, I will teach people not to go down the same path I did. And Lord, he's taught us today that we can trust you with the most gross and moral sins that we could ever commit. Father, I pray that we would confess and come clean today. Father, help us never to get to that point. Lord, David did something that was terrible, but Lord, you forgave him. Father, if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice that's never placed their faith and trust in you, Father, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Father, we love you and we thank you for Jesus, for his life, death, and resurrection that makes salvation possible. And we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this opportunity to be able to worship together today. Lord, and we pray that we would forever bless you and never take these times for granted. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.